Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. We hope you'll discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. Many of you know I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. Back then, our next-door neighbors were a family who had three kids. They had two sons, one daughter, and this family went to our church. The kids went to the same private school as me and my brother did. And as you tend to do when there's a family that's also your neighbor, that also goes to your same church and also goes to your same school, our families became great friends. And all of the kids, the three of them, my brother and I, we grew up together. We spent summers together in the beaches of Puerto Rico. We went to the movies. We went to the park. As kids, we sang in the church choir. We went to youth group. We even went on some missionary trips together. And their middle son, his name was Antonio, but we all called him Tony. He was musically gifted. He played the guitar. And when I first became aware that boys don't actually drool, he became my first boy crush. I want to show you a picture of 13-year-old Kyra. That is some long hair and some long skirts. (laughs) And that is Tony with his guitar. Uh, When Tony was about 15 years old, just a year older than my own daughter is right now, he became gravely ill. I remember our family, our entire church family actually, began praying for him. We weren't really sure what was going on, but after many, many months of tests and biopsies, of poking and prodding, of hospital stays, of mysterious illnesses, of many ups and downs, my friend was ultimately diagnosed with Wegener's disease. If you don't know what that is, Wegener's disease is a rare and it is a life-threatening disease. It actually restricts the blood flow to several organs, including your lungs, your kidneys, and your upper respiratory tract. And can I just tell you, when I heard those news, I was devastated. Have you ever received news that completely and utterly overwhelmed you? Maybe someone you loved received a difficult health diagnosis. Maybe you're going through a financial burden that you simply didn't see coming. Maybe you're currently in a relationship that's blowing up, or maybe your job's unstable, and things just get heavier and heavier and heavier until you feel like you can't handle one more thing. You know, I once heard someone say, you're either going through hard things, you're about to go through hard things, or you're coming out of a hard thing. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, yeah, that sounds about right, girl. And in the middle of your hard situation, along comes a well-meaning Christian and says to you, don't worry, it'll all be okay, because God doesn't give you more than you can handle. How many of you have heard that saying before? Maybe type it in the chat, raise your hand if you're in the room. How many of you have had it said it to you? Can I ask, was it helpful? When we found out Tony had Wegner's disease, it's what people said to us. No te preocupes, chica. Don't worry. It'll all be okay. Because God doesn't give you more than you can handle. 
And I know they meant well. Like, I know they were trying their best to comfort us, to help us feel better, to help his family feel better about this devastating news. But I'm going to be real with you guys. That saying actually minimizes what people go through and can actually make them feel guilty like they don't have enough faith. Nothing grieves me more than when well-meaning Christians try to comfort people with biblical platitudes. Because the reality is the idea that God doesn't give you more than you can handle is just stuff that Jesus never said. In fact, by the end of our time together, you will realize the truth is actually the opposite. My name is Kyra, and today we're diving into part two of Stuff Jesus Never Said. We have been tackling some popular sayings that many Christians believe are in the Bible. And today, today we get to tackle the urban legend that God doesn't give you more than you can handle. The reality is Jesus never said that, but many people actually believe this is in the Bible. Now, why do they believe that? Well, I think it comes from a misunderstanding of a very powerful verse in the New Testament. In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul was actually talking to the church in Corinth, and he was talking to them about temptation. And this is what he wrote. God is faithful, which is good news, church. He will not let you be, what's the word? Tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, here's the solution. He will also provide a way out. So I want you to understand, Scripture never says that God won't let you endure more than you can handle. What it does say is that you won't be tempted beyond what you can endure. Being tested and feeling tempted are two different things. So I want you to think about it like this. Enduring hard things when you have go through a divorce, when there's a child's death, when you're navigating an illness, and being tempted in hard ways whether it's to stop overspending, stop overeating, maybe it's to stop drinking alcohol when everyone around you still does it, they're not the same things. In fact, all you have to do is take a look at the people in the Bible to see story after story of people who had to endure more than they could handle. If you go to the Old Testament, you'll see or read about Moses. Moses was a guy who was slow of speech. He stuttered. He didn't think that he was a good leader. And yet, he was the guy who ended up spending 40 years in the desert with really difficult Israelites. Those guys complained. They grumbled. They bickered with each other incessantly. And after putting up with that for 40 years, Moses never even made it into the promised land. Church, we quarantined for a few months with our families, and by the end, we were all going stir-crazy. Can you imagine what 40 years of something like that does to someone? That, to me, seems like way too much to handle. Or what about Esther? Remember her? She, we talked about her during our series, The Queen. Esther was plucked out of her home. She was forced to compete for the crown, marry a guy who could kill her at the drop of a hat. I don't know about you, but I think I'd rather take my chances in a global pandemic. And what of David? Man, that guy went through some really nasty stuff. I mean, in Psalm 38, David wrote, I am, what's the word, church? Exhausted. I am completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. In other words, David doesn't have what it takes to handle what he's going through. 
So understand, God never said that he wouldn't give you more than you can handle. And if there's anyone in the Bible who knows this well, it's the Apostle Paul. Now that guy went through some really bad stuff. I want to invite you to open up your Bible app or our Liquid Church app. Our scripture is there to 2 Corinthians 1 because I want you to see with your own eyes what I'm about to say. Let me give you some background context to orient you in our story today. This is the second letter that Paul writes to the church in Corinth. At the time Paul wrote it, he was living in the city of Ephesus. And while there, Paul went through some really hard things. And he wanted the church in Corinth to understand Paul is suffering. So look at what he wrote. He writes, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the, what's the word, church? troubles that we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under what church? Great pressure. Far beyond what? Our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Has anybody ever seen the movie Alexander and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. So a kid's movie or a kid's book turned into a movie. This ain't that. Believe it or not, this is actually worse. Now, we don't know exactly what happened to Paul while he was in Asia, but we have some clues. Because later on in the Bible, we read Paul was beaten by some Jewish men. They lashed out, gave him 39 stripes. We know there was a riot in Ephesus when he was there and he suffered persecution. And we also know that at some point, Paul was kidnapped, threatened, arrested, interrogated, ridiculed, ignored, shipwrecked, and last but certainly not least, he was bitten by a viper, people. It was a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad couple of years. And if this weren't the Bible, I actually tell you, this sounds made up. Like you almost have to suspend your disbelief to get through it because how much bad stuff can one person go through? But it's all there and it all really happened to Paul. And it was all so hard. It was so painful to go through, to handle, to endure that Paul felt like he might die. In fact, look at what he wrote. He says, indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Anybody here ever felt so bad you think you're going to die? Because that's how Paul is feeling. His sorrow, his pain, his anguish, it is so big, it can kill him. You know, last week uh, I received this email from a woman in our congregation. I want to share with you what she wrote. She said, Dear Pastor Kyra, my husband and I have been experiencing a very difficult situation with our middle son since February. We were blindsided by the mother of our grandson when she decided in early February to cut us out of completely out of our grandson's life. To say it has been a painful experience is an understatement. So many losses all at once. We've supported them in every way possible when they experienced an unplanned pregnancy in 2020. That event shook our world because there were so many unknowns, especially the future that awaited our son with a woman who is not a Christian. She's an atheist. Please pray for us. I did not know grandparent alienation was a thing until it happened to us. Sometimes 
I feel like I will die. Can I ask, what is it for you? Like, what's making you feel so anguished that you feel like you can die from the pain? Like you've received the sentence of death. You know, right now I'm praying for people that are going through things that are way too much for anyone to handle. A three-year-old who's fighting for her life after being diagnosed with brain cancer. A daughter whose father is facing criminal charges for child pornography. Friends who were living in, as missionaries in South America had to bury their 13-year-old daughter who died from cancer. And the list goes on and on. And all of it is too much for anyone to handle. It is too painful. I mean, guys, news like that, it is emotionally overwhelming to process. And because we can't make sense of the unfairness of it all, like why do people have to go through things like that? We come up with sweet little platitudes that we like to say to people, like God doesn't give you more than you can handle. And make no mistake, I know we do this because we want to help people. Like, we want to make them feel better. But the reality is, those kinds of sayings actually put more pressure on the people who are suffering because it makes them feel overwhelmed. When in fact, that is just stuff that Jesus never said. Because even though we know there are things in life that no one should actually have to go through, it still happens. So I can't help but wonder, why would God allow you to experience more than you can handle? The answer is, he doesn't. I want to invite you to go back to our text. Here's what Paul says. He lets the Corinthians know, after he lets them know of all his sufferings, of all the pain that he's gone through, he figures, you know what? These people are going to be wondering why all of this is happening to me. I mean, th church, think about it, right? Like, if there's anyone that should be protected from all of hardships, it's Paul. Paul's doing God's work. He's literally advancing the gospel. He is planting churches. And Paul knows the Corinthians are probably going to be wondering, is Paul really who he says he is? Is that guy really the guy? Because surely if he were the apostle he claims to be, God would actually protect him from all of his troubles. So Paul, anticipating this, he takes time to explain why is all of this happening? Like why is bad stuff happening to him? So look at what he writes. He says, But this happened, meaning all the stuff that happened in Asia, all the troubles that happened. But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on who, church? On God who raises the dead. In other words, why do we go through things that at times are more than we can handle? The answer is so that we can learn to depend on his presence. Earlier today, I told you about my friend, Tony's diagnosis of Wegner's disease. You know, we didn't know it at the time, but that diagnosis marked the start of a lifelong journey for my friend. First, his kidneys failed, so he started receiving dialysis and he went on the transplant list. After several tests confirmed his own father was a good match, his dad was able to donate a kidney to him. They both went un underwent surgery. But that kidney eventually failed after several years, and my friend had to go back on the transplant list, and he had to go back to dialysis. You know, 
It's interesting because he was able to graduate college, but his health was so unstable, he wasn't able to support steady employment. So he had to be declared permanently disabled. And do you know how he spent his days? Going to dialysis for hours on end. I remember the nurses would tell us his blood pressure would be so low during those moments, they wouldn't even know how he wouldn't just drop right then and there. He was in and out of hospitals for weeks and months during many, many years, both here in the United States and back home in Puerto Rico. Can I tell you what our church family did throughout that entire time? We prayed, we seeked, we begged, we fasted, we held entire vigils for him and his family because we knew we did not have what it takes to get us through this. And we were smart enough to know we needed God. And you know what our prayers were? Because he would get better and the doctors wouldn't be able to explain it from a medical perspective. And that built our faith and we kept praying. Because here's the thing that God wants to teach us. When you take need out of a relationship, you don't have dependence. In other words, church, if you don't need someone, you don't depend on them. And God wants us to need him so that we can learn to depend on his presence. I mean, think about it, right? Generally speaking, when things are going well in your lives, like when you're flush with cash, when your love life is up and to the right, when your kids are doing well in school, when they're excelling in sports, when your health is good, when your job is steady, you truly begin to believe you are the masters of your own universe and you forget to depend on God because you think you don't really need him. There's no urgency. There's no real need. Ah, church. But when the tables turn, when all of a sudden life throws you a curveball and you get fired from your job or your parents tell you, you know what, we're getting divorced or someone you love dies, when things that you didn't see coming all of a sudden start coming your way, you understand at some deep primal level you need some divine help and you start praying maybe like you've never prayed before. And if that's you, if you're only praying when things are going wrong, I want you to know God is merciful enough to turn towards you and hear your prayer. Because God wants to teach us to depend on his presence. Remember what the Apostle Paul said? He said this happened so that we would not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And nowhere else in the Bible do we actually get to see this dependence more beautifully than in the relationship between Jesus Christ and his Father in heaven. When Jesus was about to face the crucifixion, the Bible tells us Jesus was deeply sorrowed, deeply distressed, deeply troubled. In fact, here are words that Jesus actually really did say. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with what church? Sorrow to the point of death. Imagine the emotions that Jesus is feeling right here, right then. Because after he says these words, the Bible tells us Jesus fell with his face to the ground and he actually prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Luke 
who is the writer of the Gospel of Luke and is a medical doctor, tells us in his gospel that Jesus' sweat in this moment is like drops of blood falling to the ground. That's how upset Jesus was. That's how much it was too much to handle. His physical position, his face is to the ground, his sweat is full of blood. It's actually pointing to his spiritual condition because Jesus is extremely distressed. Facing the crucifixion feels like too much to bear. It is too hard to endure. And Jesus doesn't want to do what God is asking him to do. And can you really blame him? I mean, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem where he's going to suffer and he's going to die. He's going to go to complete the mission that his father gave him to lay down his life for the sins of the world. Church, for all of eternity, God the Father and God the Son have been in perfect unity. Jesus is about to lose that connection to his Father because all he can see is a cross in his path and a crown of thorns in his future. The Bible says the one who had no sin was about to be sin for us. And Jesus knew the moment that I take on the sin of the world, I'm not just going to experience physical pain, and it was a lot. He was also going to experience all of the separation, all of the judgment, all of the punishment required by God. So it's no surprise that Jesus is praying with all of his strength for this to pass. Because if that was your fate, who wants to swallow that? It's why he says, my father if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Translation, is there any way that I can get out of this, Daddy? Because I don't want to go through it. It is too much to bear. It is too painful. It is too much to endure. I feel so bad. I want to die. Unlike Jesus, when life isn't going your way, and you face a storm, instead of depending on God, you start to question God. You start to wonder about God. You realize, you know, life isn't going the way that you thought, and you think if God were for me, this wouldn't be happening. If he were truly good, if he were really powerful, things would be better. You find yourself praying for one thing, but you get the opposite, so God clearly isn't with you. He doesn't care about you or he would change your circumstances. Church, if you are listening to my voice online or if you are sitting in this room today, I came here to tell you today, never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Every now and then, the winds will blow and the waves will crash, but God will never leave you and he will never forsake you. You never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. There was a moment when the disciples were with Jesus in the middle of a storm. They're on a boat out on the water and the waves are crashing and the waters are churning. And if that were you, would you be calm? Would you be afraid, feeling the boat rock, the wind howling at your back, the waves crashing into the boat? The disciples were afraid. They're terrified. They're completely overwhelmed. So you know what they do? They rush to Jesus and they yell at him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Even the disciples 
questioned Jesus when things weren't going their way. They weren't sure in that moment if Jesus actually cared about what was happening to them. But in the middle of that storm, Jesus got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves. And some of you need to know that Jesus is speaking to your storm today. You're sitting here today and you're terrified. You're placing more faith in that storm that's surrounding you in your life than the God who would save you. But I came here today to tell somebody that Jesus will never let you drown. Just as he spoke into the storm, peace, be still. And the wind and the waves obeyed him. He will speak those same words to you today, church. Because the reality is, God doesn't give you more than what he can handle. He's a God of power. And his power is bigger than your fear. It is bigger than your storm. It is bigger than your diagnosis. It is bigger than your problem. It is bigger than anything that feels too much for you to handle. Because the reality is, God doesn't give you more than what he can handle. Church, when Jesus was facing the cross, he didn't doubt for a single second that God the Father was with him. So he was able to submit himself to his Father's will. And he died on the cross for you and for me. Why was he able to do that? Because he knew how to depend on his presence in the middle of life's storms. And three days later, the world got to experience Christ being risen from the dead. Because do you know what happens when you depend on God's presence in the middle of life's storms? You get to experience his power, which is the second reason why at times we may go through things that are too much for us to handle. Church, you were not created to have the power and to have the strength that you're going to need to face the hard things that come into our lives. I hate to break it to you, like I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you simply do not have what it takes to endure suffering at that level. You actually should throw up your hands and say, this is more than I can handle. But it's not more than my God can handle. If Jesus' death, if his resurrection teaches us anything, it's that God has the power to handle everything. How do I know? Because if God has the power to overcome death, there is truly nothing that he can handle on our behalf. Sometimes he will handle it in this side of heaven, in this lifetime. Sometimes he will choose to handle it where we're finally resting with him in heaven. Regardless of whether he does it this side of heaven or the next, we can trust, church, that God will never give you more than he can handle. And in the meantime, as we patiently endure all of our hardships, we depend on his presence so that we can experience his power. The Apostle Paul knew this better than anyone because in addition to all the stuff that Paul went through, Paul also had a thorn in his flesh. And this thing plagued his life, okay? Paul wanted it to go away. We don't know exactly what the thorn is, excuse me. Scholars have speculated for centuries. Some people think it was his eyesight, like they think he was blind. We don't know. But Paul pleaded with God. 
three different times to take it away. I want to read to you 2 Corinthians. Look at what he says. He says, I was given a thorn in the flesh to keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Now, when it says that Paul begged God three times, you may, you know, you're probably thinking, well, you know, he prayed for three days or maybe he prayed for three times for it to go away. No, 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 no. That's not what it means. What it means is that there were probably three significant seasons where Paul pleaded, he fasted, maybe he had all the churches that he planted praying for him so that the Lord would take it away. It was an ongoing process. And just so you know, like from my perspective, if God was going to heal somebody, I kind of think Paul's a good choice. I mean, if there's like a scale of merit somewhere based on what people deserved, Paul probably deserved it more than others. And he definitely had the faith for it. And you know what? If you walk long enough with Jesus, there will come a time in your own life where you will identify your own thorn in the flesh that doesn't go away. And you too, you're going to beg God to remove it from you. God, can't you just heal my child? God, can't you just take my depression away? God, can't you just help me for one month not to be behind financially? And you know that he can do it, and he doesn't. And, he ask, and you ask yourself, why? Why doesn't he just do it? Paul certainly asked God, and God actually answered Paul. And he said something to him so powerful. It ministers to my soul time and time again. And I hope it does for you as well. I want you to look at stuff that Jesus actually did say. He said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my what church? My power is made perfect in weakness. What does it mean for God's grace to be sufficient? You know what it means? It means that when you acknowledge your weakness, when you acknowledge that you are overwhelmed, when you confess that it's too much for me to handle, that's when God says, yes, those are the perfect conditions for me to deliver my power in a life-changing way. His grace is sufficient for you means that his loving, undeserved kindness in that moment is enough to lift you up. Church, when you're exhausted and you simply can't take one more step, his grace is sufficient. He will give you the strength that you need in order to finish. When that person who, man, they have a way of getting under your skin, and I know you're already thinking of someone because we all do. When that person annoys you and you just want to walk out of the room or you just want to be rude to them, his grace is sufficient for you. He will give you the ability to extend the grace that they need just as badly as you do. When your blood is boiling and you're tempted to lash out and you want to use some really harsh words, his grace is sufficient. You know what that means? It means you're going to be able to control your tongue and you're not going to be able to use harsh words. Instead, only words seasoned with salt will come out of your way. That's what Paul is talking about here. And then he goes on to write some crazy talk. Look at what he writes next. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Translation, look at me, world. I'm weak, and I am proud of that. 
And then he goes on to say, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults. In other words, thank you, God, that people insult me for serving you. In hardships, remember, he was beaten, persecuted, shipwrecked, imprisoned. In persecution, when there's spiritual opposition against him. In difficulties, why? Why is Paul saying, I boast, I delight in all of this? Because for when I am weak, then I am strong. What Paul is saying here is, I am delighting in hard stuff. Why? Because I know I don't have what it takes. And because I don't have what it takes, I can tap into the power that goes beyond my supernatural human ability. It is actually the supernatural power of God. What power is Paul speaking of? He's speaking about Christ's power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead that is living inside each of us. And it's the power of Jesus' resurrection that Paul actually uses to give us hope in our hard times. He said, but this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who what church raises the dead. Church, Paul is turning our attention to the hope that we have in Jesus who overcame death. And even though the resurrection for us is a future event, can I just tell you, The reality is that the power of the resurrection touches the everyday life of a suffering Christian. After over 30 long years fighting Wegner's disease, after three kidney transplants, countless rounds of dialysis, multiple hospital stays, my childhood friend, Antonio Acevedo, Oliveras, two last names, because he always said he had a father and a mother, took his mother's hand and he said to her, this is it. And on January 12, 2022, he went home with Jesus. One week later, I tuned into Facebook so that I could view his memorial service and mourn with our friends and our family back home in Puerto Rico. I can't think of anything more difficult than a mother who has to bury her child. I know I couldn't bear it. It's too much to handle. But as I listened in, I heard his mom, who was like a mother to me, is like a mother to me, stand up and thank God for the season that he had given her with her son. And I heard her affirm, I am looking forward to whatever else the Lord has for me in this new season that's just starting. Church, those are words that can only be spoken when you are tapping into the supernatural power of Christ, 
When you have the hope of the resurrection and you know without a shadow of a single doubt that you will get to see your loved one once again, that my friend will see her son singing and dancing and laughing with Jesus in their eternal home. You know, I walked away from that memorial thanking God. I'm so thankful that Jesus invites us to know him better in the valley than we will ever know him in the mountaintops. Because until God is all you have, you will never know. He's all you need, church. I don't know what currently feels like it's too much for you to handle right now. Maybe you're parenting teenagers. That's tough. Guess what? Your God can handle it. Maybe you're fighting to become foster parents. You know what? That's super overwhelming. But guess what? Your God can handle it. Maybe it's not even you that's going through something hard. It's someone you love and that feels even harder. Do you know that your God can handle it? I want you to type it in the chat. My God can handle it. I don't know what you need God to handle for you. But I want to invite you today to lay it at the feet of Jesus. To entrust it to the one who can and will handle it for you. So to end our time together, I want to ask you two questions, and I'd love for you to answer them. The first question is, what feels too much for you to handle? What's the situation? What's the struggle right now? What's the storm in this season that's overwhelming you? Write it out on a piece of paper. This is between you and Jesus right now. But I'll share with you what I wrote on my own piece of paper when I was writing this message. You know what I wrote? I wrote, I don't want my daughter to experience bullying in high school. Because you know what? I don't have the strength nor the power to endure that amount of heartbreak. What about you? I'll give you 30 seconds to fill that out. And then I'm going to ask you to answer a second question. How can you trust that he will handle it? How are you going to exercise trust, church, in the strength of your God in the face of this storm? As you reflect on that question, I'm again going to share with you what I wrote. I said, you know what, I will trust that God is not God, or sorry, that God is God, not me. So I will pray over my daughter every time I feel anxious, remembering it is only when I'm weak that he makes me strong and that his power is made perfect in my weakness. You know, church, I want you to put your answers in a very visible place where you can see it this week, you can share it with your people, and whenever you feel weak, Whenever you start feeling worried, whenever you get anxious, whenever you feel heartbroken, whenever sorrow comes and you feel anguish and you can't sleep and your tears fall, I want you to take it out. And then my invitation to you is to actually celebrate and take communion on your own when you need to exercise your faith muscles. Any kind of juice or crackers will suffice, but when you take it, I want to give you a little prayer to say, as you do it, I want you to say, God, this is more than I can handle. But it's not more than what you can handle. So right now, 
I'm drawing on the strength of the blood of Jesus that was shed for you and on the power of his broken body that rose from the dead. And I entrust to you all of my fear, all of my anxiety, all of my problems, my situations, my storm. I acknowledge I need you. And here's the key, church. Here's what I want you to remember. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Church, remember, you were not created to have the power or the strength to endure hard things. Instead, you were created to entrust those hard things to Jesus, knowing that he can handle it. Let me pray for you, church. Father, we thank you so much for the truth of your word. We thank you for stuff that Jesus actually did say, reminding us it is in our own weakness. It is when we acknowledge that we can't handle things that your power is made perfect. Today we entrust to you all of the situations in our lives that feel like it's too much for us because it is. We recognize we do not have the power, we do not have the strength to hold on, to try to fix it in our own strength. Instead, Lord, we entrust it to you. We deposit it in you and we receive your peace, the peace to be still and to know that you are God. We thank you for your truth and your word and we pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group, outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening.